Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Imagine this. You're stranded on an island forever. But don't freak out because you get to bring one dish with you. Your desert island dish. What is it? Every week, your hosts, Paul and Tegan, that's us. Hello. Hello. We'll ask this question. They'll chat with and torment a literal raft of guests on the island who'll dish up stories, gossip, and culinary secrets. But they all have one big thing in common. They bloody love food. Welcome to Dish Island. Hello and welcome to Dish Island. I'm Paul. Hello and I'm Tegan. Tegan, how are you feeling this week? Anxious, Paul. I'm feeling anxious. Well, because... After being in lockdown for so long, Mm. I mean, Melbourne has now officially been in lockdown more than any other place on earth. There is light at the end of the tunnel. The roadmap to freedom has been set by Dan Andrews. We're going to head back out and meet people and talk and shop and do all those normal things again. And it's making me anxious. Are you not excited about eating, though? Of course I'm excited about eating, Paul. God, do you even know who I am? The first thing we did was book... (laughs) We literally sat down and we looked through all the restaurants we've been fantasizing about and have tried to book in different slots. Yeah. But because they haven't been open in so long, I think they're sort of taking them. It's like it's like going to a... Have you ever been skiing, Tegan? Oh, once, and it didn't go very well. No, likewise. But you'll go to a kind of like a cafe on the middle of a mountain in a ski area, and they'll be charging $17 for hot dogs. That's the kind of vibe I'm getting right now. Oh, look, I cannot blame the restaurants for, for wanting to gouge us ever so slightly, because if they're feeling anything like I am, it's, it's understandable. I've got this strange mixture of FOMO, meets fear that we're going to have like three days of freedom and then COVID's going to spike and Dan Andrews is going to put us back into lockdown again. I mean, we're trying to make plans for Christmas. We just want to see your family for Christmas. And even that, we're just over two months away. Mm. And even that is difficult. We're trying to book things in. It's like, I don't know. It could all get cancelled. Will we get our money back? I don't know. Probably not. You made a comparison as to how this actually feels to you recently. Yes, I did. All right. So you know that scene in a horror film where the woman has been trapped, she's been captured, mm. bound, tied, bloodied. It's it's horrible. It's actually the sort of film I don't like to watch. <laughs> and, there's, and the guy that has her trapped finally leaves the shack or house or garage, whatever it is. Right, so he's like, I'm going down to get some, don't you try and escape. <sighs> exactly. He's yep. probably driving some sort of pickup. dusty red pickup truck. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. She hears the truck fading into the distance and she tests the binds around her wrist and she's like, oh my God, I can get free. So she does. She breaks free of the house. It's probably nighttime, so she tiptoes outside. She's surrounded by forest. She runs through the forest and the twigs are lashing at her face, little cuts across her cheeks. (laughs) And then she finally makes it to this deserted highway. Now, at this point, watching the film, you're like, stay in the f***ing bushes. Oh, my God, stay in the bushes. Because what happens next is a pair of headlights coast over the horizon heading towards her. Mm. And because she's an idiot, she's like, help me, help me. I've been trapped by a bad guy. Help me. (laughs) 
and she runs towards the headlights. Yeah. And as the car draws closer, you see the familiar shape of the dusty red pickup, but she doesn't know this. And she's like, oh, thank God I'm safe. The it's- pickup pulls up and it's him, but it's not him because in my version, it's COVID. Right. And just when you think you're safe and you've run for the highway and you're waving down freedom, no, it's another pandemic. Yeah, I don't think Dan's going to be giving that metaphor of the press or anytime <laughs> soon. But it's completely on point. For me, it's no. For me, it's the sheriff. It's a cop. And you're like, oh, oh, thank God. And then he, oh, stops, like, at, yeah, he stops at a gas station and he goes to the paper and he's like, I got her. And he brings her back. Oh, that's right. Because they're driving towards the town and then all of a sudden he clicks on his indicator and he does a U-turn. She's like, where are we going, sheriff? I thought you were taking me back to the station for processing. And he's like, you just now keep quiet there, little lady, because I'm taking you back to COVID. <laughs> Oh, my God. Oh, golly. Look, that is one film that I don't want to watch and I certainly don't want to live. But, Paul, our guest today is somebody who has relived some of the worst films of all time again and again and again. Yeah, that's right. Today's guest is the co-host of the groundbreaking and, like you said, utterly exhausting worldwide (laughs) phenomenon that is called The Worst Idea of All Time, which is a podcast where basically him and his friend Guy sit down and watch the same film over and over and over and over and over. It's amazing. Uh, And it's become a global hit. He's also a prolific and celebrated stand-up comedian and is one of the nicest guys I've ever had the pleasure of spending a night in a hotel room with. Hello. It's a long story. Please welcome Tim Batt. Imagine this. You're stranded on an island forever. But don't freak out because you get to bring one dish with you. Your desert island dish. What is it? Every week your hosts, Paul and Tegan, that's us. Hello. Hello. We'll ask this question. They'll chat with and torment a literal raft of guests on the island who'll dish up stories, gossip and culinary secrets. But they all have one big thing in common. They bloody love food. Welcome to Dish Island. Hello and welcome to Dish Island. I'm Paul. Hello and I'm Tegan. Tegan, how are you feeling this week? Anxious, Paul. I'm feeling anxious. Well, because after being in lockdown for so long, Mm. I mean, Melbourne has now officially been in lockdown more than any other place on earth. Yeah. There is light at the end of the tunnel. The roadmap to freedom has been set by Dan Andrews. We're going to head back out and meet people and talk and shop and do all those normal things again. And it's making me anxious. Are you not excited about eating, though? Of course I'm excited about eating, Paul. God, do you even know who I am? The first thing we did was book... (laughs) We literally sat down and we looked through all the restaurants we've been fantasizing about and have tried to book in different slots. But because they haven't been open in so long, I think they're sort of taking the... It's like like going to a... Have you been skiing, Tegan? Oh, once, and it didn't go very well. No, likewise. But you'll go to a kind of like a cafe on the middle of a mountain in a ski area and they'll be charging $17 for hot dogs. That's the kind of vibe I'm getting right now. Oh, look, I cannot blame the restaurants for, for wanting to gouge us ever so slightly because if they're feeling anything like I am, it's it's understandable. I've got this strange mixture of FOMO meets fear that we're going to have like three days of freedom and then COVID's going to spike and Dan Andrews is going to put us back into lockdown again. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we're trying to make plans for Christmas. We just want to see your family for Christmas. And even that, we're just over two months away, mm. and even that is difficult. I, we're trying to book things in. It's like, I don't know. It know. could all get cancelled. Will we get our money back? I don't know. Probably not. You made a comparison as to how this actually feels to you recently. Okay. Yes, I did. All right. 
So you know that scene in a horror film where the woman has been trapped, she's been captured, mm. bound, tied, bloodied. It's it's horrible. It's actually the sort of film I don't like to watch. <laughs> and there's and the guy that has her trapped finally leaves the shack or house or garage, whatever it is. Right, so he's like, I'm going down to get some don't you try and escape. <sighs> exactly. He's yep. probably driving some sort of pickup. dusty red pickup truck. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. She hears the truck fading into the distance and she tests the binds around her wrist and she's like, Oh my god, I can get free. So she does. She breaks free of the house. It's probably nighttime, so she tiptoes outside. She's surrounded by forest. She runs through the forest and the twigs are lashing at her face, little cuts across her cheeks. (laughs) And then she finally makes it to this deserted highway. Now, at this point, watching the film, you're like, stay in the f***ing bushes. Oh, my God, stay in the bushes. Because what happens next is a pair of headlights coast over the horizon heading towards her. Mm. And because she's an idiot, she's like, help me, help me. I've been trapped by a bad guy. Help me. And she runs towards the headlights. Yeah. And as the car draws closer, you see the familiar shape of the dusty red pickup. But she doesn't know this. And she's like, oh, thank God I'm safe. The it's- pickup pulls up and it's him. But it's not him because in my version, it's COVID. Right. And just when you think you're safe and you've run for the highway and you're waving down freedom, no, it's another pandemic. Yeah, I don't think Dan's going to be giving that metaphor of the press or anytime soon. <laughs> But it's completely on point. For me, it's no. For me, it's the sheriff. It's a cop, and you're like, oh, oh, thank God. And then he oh, stops like, at yeah, he stops at a gas station, and he goes to the paper, and he's like, I got her, and he brings her back. Oh, that's right, because they're driving towards the town, and then all of a sudden he clicks on his indicator, and he does a U-turn. She's like, Where are we going, sheriff? I thought you were taking me back to the station for processing. And he's like, You just now keep quiet there, little lady, because I'm taking you back to COVID. <laughs> Oh, my God. Oh, golly. Look, that is one film that I don't want to watch and I certainly don't want to live. But, Paul, our guest today is somebody who has relived some of the worst films of all time again and again and again. Yeah, that's right. Today's guest is the co-host of the groundbreaking and, like you said, utterly exhausting worldwide (laughs) phenomenon that is called The Worst Idea of All Time, which is a podcast where basically him and his friend Guy sit down and watch the same film over and over and over and over and over. It's amazing. Uh, And it's become a global hit. He's also a prolific and celebrated stand-up comedian and is one of the nicest guys I've ever had the pleasure of spending a night in a hotel room with. Hello. It's a long story. Please welcome Tim Batt. Tim, welcome to our horrible, terrible, magical, no-good island. Uh, Obviously, we like to ask our guests, first off, how they got here, because the means of conveyance varies from guest to guest. Uh, I know that Darren Hayes basically farted his way across the South Pacific to get here. I love that that's how you interpreted it, but sure, Darren Hayes farted himself here. Yeah. (laughs) Big explosive fart. Some people come by boat, paraglider. My dad sort of, he claims he walked, which doesn't make any sense. How did you... (laughs) How did you get here? Fun story, you two. Um, it was by Blimp, Airship. Huh. Sort of an old Zeppelin-y looking thing. I've always had a fondness for airships and airship travel, um, mainly in sort of pop culture because I haven't been around a lot of them before. But I managed to get my hands on a Blimp ride in New Zealand and uh, was quickly familiarised with why they're not more popular. Gust sort of it took it away and had its wicked way with with us, the small crew, on board. So where's the rest of the crew? Well, I was the only survivor, Paul. Golly. Oh. Well, this is yeah. a tragedy. I mean, it's, it's, it is lovely to have you here, but well, how, how, many, how many fatalities are we talking here? Just three, but <laughs> just the three. they were real baddies. Oh, God. Yeah. 
Swindlers, tax dodgers, um, philanderers. Anti-vaxxers? Uh, very pro-vax, all three of them. So they did have that going in their favour, and they were all, uh, they had had both <laughs> Pfizer shots. Right, so you haven't you haven't brought the virus to the island, basically, is what you're saying? No, uh, definitely not, which I think is very important. <laughs> I think that's crucial. I haven't thought about blimps in a while, which is a shame, really. Hang on, blimp zeppelin? Are we talking like a like an Oz like, style? Like no, that's the a... duff blimp from The Simpsons. Oh, right, like a little propeller up the back of the thing. Yeah, right. and there used to be one that would fly over my area in Dandenong. Um, the Goodyear blimp, right? No, it wasn't the Goodyear blimp. Before it was the Goodyear blimp, it was the Witness blimp. You remember that chocolate brand? <laughs> I don't know if you got this in New Zealand. There was this chocolate brand. You'd have a Witness... Whit- Whitaker's Whit- Whit- Whitman's Whitman's sampler. Oh right, oh, so the Whitman's sampler. Anyway, we're all over across the map. Whitaker's Whitaker's or Whitman's. <laughs> I don't because they're both real things, but they are also different things. I think it was what. What was the second one you said? All I could see in my head, it's like a it's like a yellow basket yes. kind of pattern with yes. green, fo- like a cursive font. And my problem here is that. A chocolate company can afford a blimp? Well, and they would hover above the primary school. So as children, we would run to the oval thinking that they were going to shower us with chocolate. (laughs) Which would kill you, drop from that height. But they never did. But we were always so excited when we saw the blimp. This blimp was so much less jolly, but it's such a beautiful memory. Of an airship. Well, thank you. You you are here now, though. (laughs) Tragedy's brought you. I am. And I'm not encumbered by my dastardly crew members, which is great. You know what? Screw them. I'm glad they're dead. But are you a fan of food? <laughs> Tegan, I love food. Yay. I love food. I love unpretentious food. This is a big, uh, I think, point of contention between my wife and I. It's not contentious per se, but it is certainly a point of difference. Uh, my my beautiful wife, Zoe, she enjoys um it's really only in in food she's very stylish but she also enjoys sort of the finer things in food she um she loves a i'm trying to pick like from my stupid brain that like simple food examples of fancy foods they're not even there they're not even there to reference for someone else's taste in food what do fancy people eat i don't know some triple chocolate dip donut is that fancy? Would she go in for a platter of oysters? I always find that that's the real, that's one of the big lines. 100%. Between, yeah, okay. Yes. And in fact, I've got a fun anecdote around seafood Great. for the two of us. Right. So, uh, and this ties neatly into the travel motif as well. So I had always wanted to go to Japan since a boy, uh, just fascinated by the country. Clearly Japan, a place with everything, beautiful history, sort of feudal past, still captured with these amazing castles and culture that's been frozen in time and then the future as well robots technology neon signs everywhere and everything in between and zoe and i went to japan over a valentine's day um, about three years into our relationship and the fact that she did not connect the dots and realize i was going to propose to her i don't know she's a smart woman i don't know how that (laughs) didn't even cross her mind but when we were in Kyoto, um, I popped the question and had booked us into the only Michelin star restaurant I've ever been to in my life. Huh. And we had a 10-course degustation seafood Ooh. menu that made me feel violently ill. <laughs> is this, and this is, is this meal pre, like immediately pre-proposal or post-proposal? Post. This is a celebratory dinner. Yeah. Okay. Can okay. I ask, was it the food on the menu that made you feel ill or was it trying to get 10 courses in? Because I have had to stop <laughs> with the whole degustation thing. I know it's 
cool. I know it's a bit fancy. You get spewy. But I get spewy. Yeah. It's like after three courses, my belly goes, well, that was dinner. But you keep and it, you got to keep eating. on top of that. Yeah. It's, it's just this horrible compactor machine of unhappiness. Yeah, it's like Dante's levels of hell. You have to keep descending. So. Tegan, imagine that kind of pressure, but you're in the first Michelin star restaurant of your damn life. Like, yeah. that is a lot of pressure to get to the end. And, and I think the biggest problem with the degustation situation is that the dessert is last, as happens in meals. But by that stage, you are so sick and so full that you don't get to enjoy what is probably the best course of the whole thing. And I find yeah. that a tragedy. It really is. It should go uh, amuse-bouche, entree, whatever the other one is. Yes. One of the mains, a dessert, then like three other mains, then another little dessert, then two more mains, your real dessert. Just like palate cleansers, you know? Yeah, it's like with the mixtape, you always want like the Christmas carol halfway through, not always at the end. Is that how you guys make mixtapes? <laughs> I really thought you were going down a track of like a hip hop record and you're saying, you know, you want like a comedy sketch about after every second or third track. You went in a completely the whiter direction. By far. Yeah, man. When you finish like 13, you know, like you finish some um, Godspeed, you're like Emperor, and then you just round it up with Jingle Bells, really fucks with people. But, you know, <laughs> like to keep their stomach acids boiling. So oh, hang on. Keep so, them on their toes. How, how, like, how badly off the rails did this degustation go for you guys? It was just me. Um, Zoe mm-hmm. went through it like a champion, but it was because it was because it was so sort of like fancy and decadent. It was a lot of uncooked, incredibly fresh fish, which I'm... Totally down to, you know, I'll, I'll mess with a sushimi. Throw it at me. I enjoy fish. I love fish. But when you're up to your third different version of roe, mm. it's very rich for a man with uncomplicated tastes such as myself. When you say uncomplicated, what do you mean? Were you raised, like, these, is this peasant food you're seeking? Like, just hearty, like, you know, humble fare that is served in a wooden bowl fashioned by hand? Or are you just saying you just like meat and three veg? Like, what do you mean when you say you have un- unpretentious taste? I'm a man of the people. I'm, I'm a socialist at heart, and I love a Mickey D's, you know? Like, um, if, you, if you were to go, what do you nice. want for lunch? I try to avoid it for sort of, you know, slightly ethical, moral reasons, but I am an absolute sucker for Mickey D's. Really? So, right, you're going through the drive-thru. What are you... Because the last time we had Maccas, we were on the way to my parents' place, and it's that far away, it kind of needs a stop along the drive. Yeah. And we just went, you know what? Let's do it. Let's grab Maccas. And I I didn't love... It wasn't the unhealthy thing. I just didn't love what I ordered. Maybe I'm ordering the wrong thing. What's good at Maccas these days? Tegan, you can't sit that up and not tell me what you ordered. I've got to, I've got to hear how you missed the up. Sorry, you're absolutely right. I got some nuggies. Cheeky nuggies, I got fries, mm-hmm. and then I got a chocolate sundae. Yeah, that's pretty solid order. Thank you. I mean, I I love a burger, so I'll, I'll always... I Generally, I'll get a Big Mac combo, um, medium, but here is the key. Don't get a soda. Don't get a Coke. Don't get a Sprite. Don't get Fanta, whatever's on offer to you. Switch it out for a water because it's that super sugary drink that's going to put you over the edge and make you feel like crap. Your body can handle quite a lot more salt than you think. It's actually the sugar that's going to really ruin your day. So if you if you switch that out for a water, 
you're good. So it's about you pushing yourself to that edge. It's about getting to that edge and then just pulling back right before you vom vom. See, maybe this is the line that you weren't walking when you went for the degustation. You're talking like no, you, you guys are talking like people going for tough mutter or CrossFit. Like <laughs> no, nah, you just got to push through it. You just got when your no. organs start hurting. That's how you know it's you going going. Well. I enjoy McDonald's. I I unironically very much enjoy McDonald's. And you know, as a value oriented person, some would say tight with yeah. money. Yeah. I wouldn't describe myself that way. You know. There is an undeniable uh, value to getting the very worst bits of a cow in a blender, dying that, salting that, and then calling it a beef patty. That saves money. Yeah, you think what you're doing is eating the chipboard equivalent of beef is a... I no judgment because there is something really special <laughs> about getting a fucking Happy Meal. Like, the, my, the, the only reason I ever saw Indiana Jones was because it came in a cardboard sleeve for five bucks with a Happy Meal back in the 90s. Did it really? Yeah, and the first one I saw was Temple of Doom. Now, that's the bad place to start in that franchise. That's the filling in a good film sandwich. That's the manky filling in a good film sandwich, right? Or the Coca-Cola and a Big Mac combo, if you will. <laughs> oh, sure. But as you as you mentioned, it's better to get water, right? Yes, exactly. Yeah. Switch it out. But you're a slim guy. Like, you're a little... You're a, you're a slight... You're a slight man of the people. How do you maintain your svelte figure? I, I almost don't exist. Um, that's my body type. And I, I've got nothing else to attribute that to apart from genes, genuinely, which is so unfair. I know that um, our modern culture in the West really celebrates the slender gent and gentess. And um, I think it's uh, stupid because, A, it's not exactly a sign of health. Um, and B, it, I... I don't. I didn't earn this. <laughs> I didn't do anything for this. It's purely just a genetic thing. So, what are your insides looking like after you know years of nap but people's food? It's a great question because I have heard about this phenomenon of being um, sort of fat on the inside, where you sort of have quite a slender, you know, form. <laughs> yeah. But then those arteries, man, they're not looking good. The outsides do not match the insides. Can I ask you? So you you love a bit of Mickey D's, and we're not going to judge. Except that we are, but we're not. You should and you can. <laughs> good, 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 good. When you're at home, though, uh, are you ever the chef? And if you are the chef, what are you? Are you cooking homemade burgers or, you know, what's happening if you're in the kitchen? Um, I look, I'm not like a. I enjoy cooking. I enjoy cooking a lot. And that's why Master Chef is anathema to everything I believe about cooking because I really use cooking dinner to unwind at the end of the day. Um, I like to be able to take my time and just sort of see what's in the fridge and assemble something with these ingredients and thrusting that into this uh, hyper-produced competitive environment where there's people yelling at you, judgments constantly, a stopwatch hanging over you like a sword of Democles. It's like the opposite of what how I do my cooking. Mm. I, just, I like to kind of marinate in it a bit. Now, I don't know like a ton of recipes and I'm not a, a super fancy dude, but what I do, I do pretty solid versions of. I can crack out a spaghetti bolognese like no one's business. I, I'm a good roaster. I really can nail a roast. This is, I mean, that's not, you know, that's not nothing. That's it's actually e really hard to do. It's easy to fuck up a roast. How do you do your taties? Um, so my mum taught me this. You boil the ever-loving crap out of them mm. first. I'm talking like 25 minutes on Ooh. max temperature in the water. And then you drain all the water out. And then you can't, it's kind of tricky to do, especially if the pot's really heavy. But you keep the lid on the pot and you kind of, 
whale on the potato. So you sort of wave it around and force it down really quickly because what you're trying to do is smash those now very soft boiled potatoes and it aerates them. Yeah. And if you do that and then salt them upright and put enough olive oil on them, they get so crispy. They're super fluffy on the inside. But that proper crunch on the outside, I really like your method. And I think I've been underboiling the potatoes in no, the I, lead up. I agree. But I'm now sitting here going, Tim, all right, now, if you had to run a 10-course Michelin, star, like a Michelin restaurant, right? So you have to come up. You have to build a menu of 10 dishes, right? And the whole theme is, oh, it's just, it's just chill. But it's Michelin star. So would you put the taties in the lineup? And if so, could you pad out with another nine dishes that menu? On the spot right now? Yeah, f*** it. In fact, if you if you want, pivot and do a sweet and savory version of existing dishes. Like I don't, we're not we're not fussy here. Are you doing that thing? You know how they've made um you know fancy versions of Arnott's biscuits. Are you talking about that when you're like you know pimp it up a bit? Like like a Heston Blumenthal. Like you fucking hook us Hesto's pesto. I don't care. Just do whatever you want. To get to ten dish ten courses, I'm probably going to be like grabbing any dish I remotely know how to make and assembling it into one (laughs) uh, Franken degustation. Hundred percent. But yeah, let's start with what's your entree. Uh, well, I think a mo- I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over seventy percent of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Boost Boost should be in there because it's fun to say and it pads out one of the 10 rounds with its own distinct name. So for an Amuse Bush, I am going to prepare for you. Um, <laughs> sounds wild. Yeah. Dehydrated bananas. Now, are those? do you mean those like banana chips that they give you when they won't give you chocolate yeah. at primary school? Like those little discs? You got it. Yeah. Huh. Tegan looks really confused. You haven't had those? I I have had them. I mean, I wasn't expecting that as our amuse-bouche. Nothing says amuse-bouche like desiccant. But I did. I actually always really enjoyed them. Right. I think they're really great. So is this like a... Now, just to be clear, Tim, is this like a bougie version? Or have you just opened a packet and whacked them into a ramekin? Are you dehydrating your own bananas? Is that what you're telling us? Well, you know what? I am. But the end result is the same. I've done it, so I can claim to have cooked it. This is my work. But the end result is, is indistinguishable... From school lunch, uh, plastic bag, dehydrated banana chips. One may even ask why you would even bother if it is completely indistinguishable. <laughs> One might, okay. but as we all know, it's not the destination, it's the journey 100%. that's important. All right, so we're forging on to, what's the second, this is going to get weird if we keep going at this rate, but what's your second you dish? F- you Paul, 10 courses. <laughs> You've not done this with any other guests. No, I just wanted to see if Tim could recreate that that meal, but do it in a way that maybe wouldn't make him feel so sick he's on his special day. Okay. Me Goring Noodles, specifically Indomie Me Goring Noodles. That's the brand name. Yeah, okay. I, I think they're very popular the world over, so I'm pretty sure everyone knows what I'm talking about, and I don't think it even needs any further explanation. No. Here's the secret to doing it right. You chuck an egg in there. And uh, you don't want to put too much water in so that you can eat that, that juice, that sauce at the end, it's actually quite good. This is like salt, fat, acid, heat, but it's... it's... Well, do you know the thing is, both of those courses, yeah. I would happily eat. 100%. So, so far, this is, this is you know, a very, very enjoyable degustation. All right, what do you got for us next? Chicken. Chicken. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, so I'm going to have to separate out the the bits of the roast to get to the tin. So the first bit is chicken, uh, a roast chicken, a beautiful roast chicken. Yeah, okay. And here's how you do a roast chicken properly, folks. Uh, uh, speaking as a, a proper roast master, you've got to get that oven to 180 degrees. Truly, I know the recipe book tells you that every time, but if you go hotter than that, it's it's going to dry out too quickly. And if you go cooler than that, it's not going to quite work. So you want to get it in the oven at 180. But then you actually, as soon as it's in there and the door's closed, you want to crank it down to 140. Um, and you 140? You're bringing it down to 140? Yeah. But you've got to have a good oven for this. That's the thing. So the heat doesn't dissipate too quickly. Mm. My uncle, you know what? I'll go with my uncle's method. My uncle's a way better cook than me. I've only pulled this off once because I was in someone else's house with a great oven. You put the oven to the max. Bake like 320, whatever that dial goes to, put it to that. You put the chicken in and then you turn the oven off. Whoa. And there is like a temperature gradient that the meat goes through where it just cooks it to perfection. What? But it, t- it does take a while. But it means that you can do it in the morning and then go to work and come home and you've got a perfect uh, roast protein for you. That, That's that'd, amazing. That'd be like me going to Melbourne Airport, driving a Cess- like flying a Cessna straight up, aiming <laughs> roughly in your direction over in New Zealand, turning the motor off and just <laughs> landing like a perfect triangle. People do it all the time. I mean, you've got to know your oven. I think that you're absolutely right. Yeah. You've got to have a really good oven. And I'm only really beginning to care about that as I embark on this journey of trying to create bread, trying to bake bread, mm. is that... Um, yeah, it's all about how hot you can actually really get your oven as opposed to what it says yeah. on the little dial. But that's a fascinating method. I'd be curious to know, now nah, you're not going to have any problems with the chicken if you've blasted it at 320 or whatever it is. Yeah, fascinating. Huh, okay. So how many courses are you getting out of this roast chicken? Four? Three, four? Or the is, chicken's one. Or is Okay, so just uh, the third course is a chicken. Yeah. Oh, Great. See, okay. I was thinking if you really wanted to be cheeky, you could give us like the wings for one course, the breasts for one. No. no okay. So you're you not did, the you boost. built this, Paul. You built this, <laughs> and I'm I'm just <laughs> I I'm following instructions. Oh my god. Course number four. Go on. The aforementioned potatoes. Don't need much more than that. There's a bit of rosemary in there. Mm-hmm. There's a little sprinkling of thyme. We've salted it up the wazoo. You've heard about my smash, my boil and smash method that I got from Ma. They're good to go. Great. That's a great course. Great, okay. Five, caramelized carrots. I've attempted it many times, only pulled it off once. Uh, I had a, a, an ex-girlfriend who was very good at caramelized carrots, and um, I will give it a go because I'm an ambitious person. Now, I've got to chuck a dessert in there at this point because I said that's what all degustation uh, menus needed. So what are we up to now? Six or five? Six? Six. I think six. I think six. Six is an an ice cream sandwich. Uh, All the texture of a sandwich, but cold and creamy. Okay. what's What's the kind of outside part and what's the filling? It's normal, man. You know how you get those pink wafers that says ice cream sandwich? It's those. And you know how you get those ice cream slices that says ice cream sandwich? Oh, God. Fucking put it together, man. That's the course. You're overthinking it, Paul. You're overthinking it. I'm overthinking it because I'm, I'm, I'm not used to eating in a prison commissary. But yeah, this is great. So are we talking one pink, one white, two pink? Yeah. Have you never seen one of these, Paul? It goes pink, white, pink. That's what a sandwich is. I'm sorry. And are you going to give... Hang on. You have to give the guy in the tuxedo with the monocle, you give him the wafers on a plate. There you go. And you give him the the, the brick of ice cream in the in that kind of wax paper and he has to rip it open himself, right? Yeah, I think so. It's called a deconstructed ice cream sandwich. <laughs> great. Okay. Okay, great. 
Okay, great. Yeah. Uh, this takes us to seven. Seven. Yeah. Lucky number seven, it's crispy Thai uh, chili fish, <laughs> which seems slightly decadent after the chicken's already there. But I just love this this dish so much. When you just get a big snapper and you just put like chili and coriander <laughs> and spring onions all through it because you just like the hard work is the marinating and you're not doing that. The fridge is. So you just make this very simple mix up with all the herbs. You put the fish in the fridge for three hours. You take it out. It takes what, like 30 minutes to fry out properly. Sure. And you've got this fresh, beautiful spice like it the you know the chili cuts through the the fat of the um fish it's just a good time right See, but it, I, i'm so concerned because after eating the banana chips the chicken the meagerang everything else i know that by this stage my taste buds have whiplash. well not only that but i know i'm feeling vomiting right and so all i could picture in my head is that i've eaten this ice cream sandwich and i'm having the dairy voms you know when you've got um, dairy that wants to come back up sure, sure. now you've put on the table in front of me a whole fish big squeeze of lemon <laughs> the citrus is starting to curdle the ice cream and, in your stomach and, and just <laughs> And it's looking at me. It's the fish. I can just see it looking at me. Oh, he's not taking the eyes out at this point, no. <laughs> well, good news for you, Tegan, because um, for the eighth course, we're back to dessert. But this time we've gone down again and it's a sorbet. Nice. So this is a true kind of palate cleansery. Let's reset everything. Let's cool off the temperature a bit. Um, let's reset the taste buds. Uh, so we've got a selection of three different kinds of sorbet. One is raspberry. One is lemon. And one is antacid. Is lime. <laughs> Great. I genuinely don't know a third kind of sorbet. What other kinds of sorbet can you get? Always do pistachio oh, is the oh, right, third. Right, right. It's always because I never eat the pistachio. It's always you. Like, all the time. There's a goddamn pistachio sorbet. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Lovely. Okay, and that brings us to our tenth course. Yes. Ninth or tenth? I've lost count. Um, I think it's ninth, and you better believe that for the ninth course, we are having a toasty, a classic of the New Zealand and Australian kitchen. Great. Get a <laughs> Paul looks visibly so disturbed by the suggestion like, of the penultimate course. No, Tim, I'm toasty. just used to people going. So, what are the thematic links between? The, there's no link, is there? What's the what's the sinew tying these dishes together? Excuse me. I think I laid it out at the start. I am. An unpretentious eater. I, I enjoy uh, big, blocky flavors. I enjoy fun. <laughs> and I'm having fun. I'm having fun in a safe way. I'm not overextending myself in a MasterChef challenge right. where I have to recreate some, you know, guy who's been for 30 years constructing these delicacies in the it's a chocolate fountain in the shape of a woman, and I don't know. It's not about that. It's about coupling migoring with an ice cream sandwich, and it does kind of make a kind of sense. I would eat this stuff, and I would eat it in this order. Good. Okay. You, you're I... gonna now. You're gonna have to. But what's what's the well? No. What's in the what's in the toasty? <laughs> oh yes, yes, of course. Cheese, ham, tomato, cheese, ham, tomato. Yep, thank you, and thank you for putting the tomato in. I appreciate that because that's apparently contentious, and I just I think you need the the. I sh- it scolds your mouth, and I'll accept that, but yeah, you need does. a little bit of sweetness in there. Is there any kind of like, – are we going fancy bread or just Wonder White? Like just bung- We actually are going fancy on oh. this one, Paul, which might shock you. Yeah, we've got a little um, sourdough from a local patisserie, uh, and you just want to lightly butter that with some unsalted butter. Don't ask me why, and then whack that in the toasty maker. All right. Well, look, you've just eaten a toasty. You're very full. You're confused. 
You can't see straight, but there's one... You're confused. I'm, I'm golden. Hey, you're fine. You're in the kitchen. You're working from some sort of dais for some reason, and there's dramatic lighting. But there's one more dish, yes. Tegan, that we have to eat from Tim's uh, degustation. Do you have room? I don't. I clearly don't have room. I lost all room after the whole chicken. I can't I'm feel... not Elwood Blues, but yeah. I am going to push on to course number 10. Okay. I've got bad news. And like, I... I, I kind of want to stress something at this point before I reveal what the 10th part of the degustation menu is. This is, look, we're having a good time. We're having fun here. I'm not telling you these these courses for lols. This isn't for laughs. This is how I live my life, okay? <laughs> 10 meals a day. <laughs> this, is, this is a bit of me. This is me putting myself out into the world, opening up and, and being honest. All right. No, I, lo- I appreciate that. Thank you. The 10th component to the Stegia Station menu is a uh, sort of a Mortal Kombat finishing move, um, a, a sort of culinary fatality, is a deep fried Moro bar because it's like a delicacy of the underclass, you know, because it's like kind of complicated it takes a little bit of equipment to actually do it correctly which is the fish and chip shop it's often off book but possible and when done correctly it has this incredible combination of textures and flavors that will set you back about four dollars in total now what's it what's it, is a moribar like a mars bar yeah you can we'll go with a mars bar shall we probably a bit more universal yeah the deep fried mars bar is is i know that it's a big thing in edinburgh I've i believe one. i've had a snack sized deep fried mars bar it, it did this amazing thing where basically the batter is crispy the inside liquefies and then i think we, yes. we were mopping it up with basically some sort of like whipped cream it was oh we it was fantastic it was Truly fantastic. I couldn't I couldn't eat more than one, but if you whack a snack sized deep fried yeah. Mars bar at the end of that meal, uh I'd die shortly afterwards, but it'd be very grateful. It'd be a great death. Oh yeah. A, a, a beautiful death. A better death than your uh, three crewmates um suffered recently. RIP, but they had it coming. You've got like a lightly melted bit of marshmallow layer and like warm caramel and chocolate, but a, a, a crisp, savory batter on top of that. It's unbeatable. Do you reckon you could, if you're going for the savoury sweet thing, do you reckon you could whack one of those in some mayo or is that suicidal? No. Jeez. <laughs> it seems, hey, game recognised game. That sounds insane to me. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know who in their right mind would add, um, what is it? Olive oil and egg white <laughs> to that particular to chocolate. But... Uh, the, the combination of sweet and savoury is interesting. I was at Max Brenner a couple of years back and they had a cornflake and pepper chocolate, which... Shouldn't work, but it was... Oh, I can kind of see that working. Yeah, yeah I can kind of see that working. Mm. I like a bit of, yeah, yeah sweet and savoury mixed. I don't know if I'm going to go dipping my deep fried Mars bar or Moro bar into mayonnaise, though. But you're a strange dipper, Paul. Um, Tim, I when I first <laughs> met Paul oh, um, here we go. quite a few years ago... Shit. He, very early on in the relationship, I mean, maybe after the second or third date, he was at my house. I was still living with this guy called Nato, so I had my cool housemate hanging around. And Paul, just apropos of nothing, really, asked if he could dip... Vita wheat crackers. No, it was it was water crackers. Water crackers into salad dressing. Yeah, and you had zero shame. You just walked to the fridge and got some salad dressing. I out. said, "Do you have anything to eat?" And you said, "Oh, we got some water crackers." And I just whipped out some Paul Newman's own, gave it a shake, whacked it in like a little a little uh, like a ramekin that you would put like a crumble in or something, and just filled it up by about. Tegan, what did you? What did you think of this minute? This is very bold it's behavior. It's really bold. It, there were so many things back then that when I really. 
dissect them. I don't know how I have a ring on my finger right now, wow. but I do. And mm. uh, on our very first date, you rocked up to the date uh, wearing a Totoro onesie. That's that's what you chose to wear for our first ever date. <laughs> uh, to be fair, we were going to look at Christmas lights, and I said, "Do you want to wear a onesie?" And you were wearing this like svelte, like nineteen seventies ABBA floral thing, and I looked like a I looked like a man with a fetish. Like it was, I had a, <laughs> I had a tail. But you know, I I just think it's the same with food. You should not hide what you like, right? Like you waltzed into this island talking about your love for Mickey D's, and we're not going to shame you for that. You know, chase your bliss. Well, what is? I mean, other than the McDonald's, do you have a? Do you have a food thing that you like? I'm not talking fetishes here, people. But do you have a thing, Tim, that you know is is a bit strange or a bit weird, but you just really like eating it and it makes you happy, and that's that. Oh, Tegan, I don't know if I do. I I don't know if I do. Nothing is immediately coming to mind. I actually, in in terms of like eating and and diet and that sort of thing, I went vegan for six oh, months, right. kind of recently, like about a year ago, and I do want to get back to it. Um. I think it's important. I think we all need to, at a minimum, cut down on our uh, meat consumption. Mm. And it would be good to to get to vegetarian. And I think if I can kind of... This is why I picked the crispy Thai chili fish meal. I always had this feeling that if I can get comfortable enough with like herbs and spices... I'll be fine. Oh, like you could season anything is what you're saying. Yeah. Really become a master of, you know when to use paprika appropriately. <laughs> you know yeah. what I'm saying? Using it to get away from the police is a very appropriate use of paprika. You can just wax into that. That smoked stuff will will leave a lasting burn. Very true. And especially if I'm doing that in the wake of letting a bunch of battery-kept pigs, you know, that were suffering a horrible life, oh, yeah. pent up somewhere. If I'm freeing them and then the cops are coming against me as an eco-terrorist, and I'm like, paprika, bitch. <laughs> like, that's an appropriate use of the spice, isn't it? Good catchphrase. I mean, you'll be known. Like, it's like the wet bandits. You want to leave a calling card, right? Paprika, bitch. Yeah, paprika, bitch. Yeah, it's good. Paprika, bitch. It's funny. We, um, we, went, we didn't go full vegan. We went vegetarian for quite a while. That was last year, I think. Yeah. And we'd geared up for it because it was going to be such a big thing in our life. And then we started eating vegetarian meals and it was so easy and so lovely mm, yeah. and all the recipes were so amazing. Yeah, it was strangely simple. Yep. But we, we did this because we had a friend point out that um, it's not necessarily about cutting everything out or you don't necessarily have to go full vegan, but if you just commit to eating less meat and actually actively commit to that, if everybody did that, we'd already be in such a better place. Yeah, absolutely. And that was kind of my intention with it. There's a great, I'm probably going to mangle it because I always do with these sort of proverbs when the wording's really important, but it's like, it would. it's far more useful to get um, 100% of the people making a 1% change than 1% of the people making a 100% mm. change to their yeah. diet. And so the, that was kind of the whole reason I went vegan because I I used to eat so much meat. Like I would genuinely eat meat as part of every meal. Like I'd have bacon f- for breakfast and um, like, you know, a, a big burger eater, love burgers. So just beef, chicken all the time. And so me going vegan was forcing myself to kind of introduce myself to a whole food world of things that didn't involve animal products just to go, see, man, it's out there. You're going to find a couple tasty things that you can make, you know, very easily. Well, by that rationale, I'm really interested to hear whether your desert island dish, which is the dish you have to eat every day for the rest of your life on this island, is vegan, whether it is a commitment to those values or whether you've just gone just for comfort food, whether you've gone for just a hamburger. What I'm bringing is corn 
is how I pronounce it, isn't it? How you say it? But it's corn spout Q U O R N. And I, I, I hope that this podcast is okay with brand names because it is like a sort of trademarked um, food item. I've got no idea what this is. Is it a chippy? It's like a, it's like a kind of is it like a vegan mince? Am I getting that right? It is. Yes, yes, it is. So the version that I I could do the mince because I can make a lot of different things from the mince. But there's another one which is pieces, and it's it's like. <laughs> sounds gross cubes <laughs> of this stuff so what they've done is they've found this way to process corn protein um, in a particular way these food scientists have so that it really does sort of have a texture and taste like right. meat so this is a perfect marrying of my love of things like chicken and low quality <laughs> beef patties but also the ethics of eating yeah. vegan because they are vegan food stuff um, and also my love of technology because I'm a massive nerd. This is a, a food item which has only been possible for the last few years because of advances in food. So what are you science. cooking? The, what are you cooking these these grey cubes into? It might be what I cooked this evening um, for my wife and I, which was a Thai green chicken curry. But just swapping the chicken bit out for these uh, corn <laughs> pieces. Let's not call them cubes. You shouldn't call anything that you're going to eat a cube. Uh, they're corn pieces. Right. Okay. Okay, and have you found like is there like a demonstrable difference? Do you have to kind of pretend? Of course, <laughs> sure. It's not, no, don't get me wrong. It's not as good. But... Yeah, <laughs> I love this though. You, you you're coming to the island, and you're not only you know choosing something that is going to nourish and satisfy you, but you I think have the moral high ground. If there is a mountain on our island, I think you are at the peak because yeah. you are lording it over the rest of us who have brought some of the most, I don't know, ethically... Dubious. Well, yeah. Dubious, yes. Perhaps more ethically dubious fruit. I mean, the bag of flowers, fine. But you, sir, you might just be king of the island here. I'm making an effort. And it ticks a lot of boxes. Yeah, I've got I've got the moral high ground. I've got the sort of idea of meat, you know, the sort of texture, the concept of meat in your head when you bite right. down into it. Um, especially, as I mentioned, if you marry it with the right herbs and spices, which I'm assuming this is a herbaceous kind of an island, right? There's a bit of foliage going on. Cool. I'll be able to to scavenge some stuff up and put that together into something. It's a it's a Thai green chicken curry with Well do you want that or do you just want the The cubes. The, this is the trouble I'm having. Pieces please. Sorry, pieces. pieces. You, yeah, because pieces. I don't want to throw a Thai green curry at you if that wasn't your dish. If it is just the ingredient in its pure, simple uncooked form, that is fine. Right, just the hunks of like sinew that you've sort of gathered look i will go with the ingredient if that's allowed i don't want to violate the spirit of of you know what the rules entail on this look island. it is a democracy on this island by which i mean the strongest <laughs> <laughs> so the opposite of a democracy yeah, what's the opposite uh it's a jungle-based hunter it's people it's, fighting on the island it's it's terrifying but as as tegan mentioned not only do you have the moral high ground we've actually given you a plot of land that is actual high ground you've got so. the high ground yeah, <laughs> yeah i love lovely. it yeah. from which i will reign on my very a uniquely Darwinistic flavoured <laughs> style of democracy. I felt this weird plop on my shoulder. Oh, he's throwing cubes again. <laughs> Not again. <laughs> See, they've got a lot of use. Hang on. Oh. Name three. <laughs> <laughs> Ammo, food, and just a breathtaking advance in science that you can look at and go, wow, we're good. Aren't we clever? <laughs> Much like my 10-course degustation menu, I hope that I have brought you both uh, sweet and sour to the palate with... Um, <laughs> The story of, of my journey you to the island. Indeed. 
Well, there you have it, Paul. Corn. Sweet, golden, tasteless corn. How do you feel about Tim's dish, really, now that he's not here? I feel like I like Tim a lot more than I like his <laughs> dish. And that's totally fine because not every person on the island can bring something I personally get invested in. But you know what? I think next week's guest is going to bring something that I dig personally. All right. I have a challenge for you, Paul. Yeah. Usually we don't do this. And by usually, I mean we've never done this before. Yeah. But listeners, our guest next week is the incredible, funny, vivacious, and wonderful M. Rusciano. Now, Paul, here's my challenge. Do you think you could guess even close to the type of dish that M is going to bring to the island? Based on her overall aesthetic, I'd say a piñata filled with sherbet. <laughs> something with sequins on it. It's like very, she's got a very, she's very colourful and I hope and I suspect that she's going to bring something that really kind of brings a lot of her personality to the So island. you're thinking what, dessert? I really want, I want I want you to be a bit specific because yeah. we, we've we never guessed it correctly. Oh, God damn it. This is really tricky because the piñata thing was a joke, but I honestly think it's going to be, yes, it's going to be sweet. Okay. Okay. I think it's going to be ice cream related. <gasps> that is so wild because do you know what I thought? What? I thought one of those bogo standard... A supermarket ice cream cakes, but an expensive version of it. I think she's gonna. I here. Okay, I think she's gonna bring a Macca's ice cream cake. <gasps> now, if she listens to this episode, you it's know it's all a, over. It's it, all over. Yeah, it's over, right? It's confirmation bias. But if she listens and goes, "That's exactly what I was gonna bring." For the that, first time ever, though, I hope that. No, let's incept her. All right, so let's have her listen to this kind of half asleep, and then you know, in Inception, where they plant the idea in Silly Don't Murphy's head. So let's Instagram creep into her dreams Island. and Dish Island is a proud member of the. Acast Creator Network. And then when she rocks up with it, we get to be smug. You know what, guys? If you have an idea of what M. Ruciana will bring to Dish Island, please also hit us up on social media because I'd love to tell her what the world thinks of her in food form. Does yeah. that work? Yeah. And also feel free to tell us what you think our Desert Island dishes would be because we would also like to know, based on food, what you think of us as people. But we cannot wait for you to hear next week's episode. We think it's going to be absolutely amazing. And have a great week, everyone. We'll see you soon. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello HelloFresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. 